has millions of parts. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBay Motors, let's ride. Fiber-powered Ignite Internet is now here. At the Zimmermans in Moose Jaw. At the Patels in Red Deer. At the Browns Cabin in Fernie. Where you can stream movies in the hot tub. Or the bathtub. Any tub you want. It's in Balfe, Alberta. Happyland, Saskatchewan. Yubo, BC. And other cool places from Flin Flon to Medicine Hat. Our fastest fiber-powered internet has arrived. Ignite Internet from Rogers, together with Shaw. It's really not important to me to have a lot of things to show off, fancy cars, you know, a giant home. Those things are just not part of who I am. But I've been coached and I've learned through my advisor that it's not one size fits all. Everyone has their own preferences. Everything that I do with Edward Jones is tailored to who I am. Edward Jones. We do money differently. Visit edwardjones.ca slash different. I need your help solving a murder. Monday, September 25th on City TV. I'm Alec Mercer. Welcome to Applied Psychology. You're the science guy. That's Bill Nye. I'm actually the behavioral science guy. Jesse L. Martin stars in an all-new drama. Understanding human nature can be a superpower. The FBI calls me because people are irrational. Nothing irrational about that. The Irrational series premiere Monday, September 25th on City TV. Or stream on City TV Plus, the app, or citytv.com. Twist up your snack time with Tim's new savory twists. Served warm in four cheese or everything seasoning. They're a buttery and flaky pastry and freshly baked throughout the day. So grab and go with Tim's new savory twists today at participating restaurants in Canada. CISL 650 acknowledges that we are on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Sailwithtooth nations. Sportsnet 650 is the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. On a Tuesday. Happy. Somebody stop me. Oh, man. <laughs> sometimes it just makes no sense what we do. We get it. But someone is tuning into this show for the first time. Maybe they're going back to work or back to school. And they're starting a new routine. Right? Everything's starting anew. The scholastic year, and they're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to this Halford and Brooklyn in the morning, and then the review afterwards will be, I gave the show a try. There was a lot of references to a movie made in 1995, <laughs> and inexplicably, no one bothered to explain the backstory or the origin. It's just Jim Carrey saying, "Somebody stop me." For no reason whatsoever. And you know what? We're not going to explain it. Halford and Brough in the morning is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. They're back. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell What is the score in this basketball <laughs> game right now? It is 83 to 46. <laughs> the Americans over Italy in one of the quarterfinals for the yeah. FIBA World Cup. Um, does Italy play basketball? Not well. It doesn't look like they're... No. It doesn't look mama like... Mamma mia. Yeah. <laughs> this game's a big mamma mia. What is with this sport? 
I where is no, not, your I, not your best, not your best. You sound right. Austrian. I don't know where <laughs> yeah, you're going with this. Yeah, I gotta get into the zone. Just do. Like I gotta do that. Yeah. Like, it's a me, a Mario. Yeah, and once I'm, I get into the rhythm, then want, I could do it. You, you know? Want, you want to fix this? Just be Super Mario. Yeah, and you'll do it perfectly. Yeah. Just embody Super Mario. Yeah. Do it again. It's a me. <laughs> Who's your brother? Italy basketball. <laughs> there you go. We're losing badly. I'd like to apologize mm-hmm. to the folks from Kintech. That oh, I thought you were going to say Italians. <laughs> no. That's sponsored this studio. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Now in at point guard for Italy, Dan Riccio. <laughs> he finally made it. And he hit a three. Good for him. <laughs> I was mid-drink there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... We're going to do some what we learns now. Yeah, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, but our show is kind of in disarray. It's kind of discombobulated. That's because in the 8 o'clock hour, uh, we got two guests where we normally only have one. Ryan Divish from the Seattle Times is going to join us to talk some Mariners. And then at 8.30, David Foster is going to join the program. If you're thinking it, I'll answer the question. Yes, that David Foster the 16-time Grammy winner. He's been nominated for 47, 47. Grammys. He created, more or less, the careers of Michael Buble, Celine Dion. He's worked with Michael Jackson. He also worked with your parents. He, he did, yes. Way back. Explain. Biggest names of all. Uh, they recorded an album called The Symphony Sessions. Uh, symphony, uh, yes, I want to say. He also worked with Caitlyn Back Jenner's in 1987. Kids. Yeah. Like he's, he's been really into the reality TV part of it, too. We should talk about that, too. I mean... Like how do you balance being a respected uh, music producer and also being in reality TV? Well, the reality TV thing fits because I think David Foster has worked with literally every entertainer on the planet. He knows everybody. everyone. He knows everybody. I was actually watching... Uh, I was doing a bit of research for Attaboy. the program, believe it or not. Attaboy. Uh, and he was... I found some video where he was like... Um, uh, here's the one piece of advice that David Foster would give all people looking to be successful in the music industry. And he's like, yeah, I hear all these people talking about like ambition and drive and focus, blah, blah, blah. You know, the one word networking. Yeah. Like he, he knows, he knows, he knows everyone. His notable credits include Celine Dion, Josh Groban, Barbra Streisand, Michael Buble, Seal, Earth, Wind and Fire, Madonna, Michael Jackson, and Whitney Houston. You know the uh, Valentine's Day show where we dedicate kind of schmaltzy uh, yeah, it's your favorite show of the year. Songs, 80s to the love Vancouver songs, Canucks. power ballads. Like he, he's honestly responsible for half of them. Yep. Like you're the inspiration by Chicago, which we always dedicate to Petey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he, I think, wrote that. Mm-hmm. Co-wrote it. Yeah. With um, Peter Peter Cetera. Yeah. He's yeah. a Cetera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a joke too. I know. That's because that's how he's it. pronounced it. Okay. Um. So anyway, because David Foster's joining us at eight thirty, we're doing what we learns now. Uh, and I got to mention that we've got, this is great. Do you have the drop ready? Because our sponsor's back for What We Learns. Uh, what We Learns are brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! See, they knew that we did this, and they came back for it, which makes me believe that the Get Fire Plan people like that drop. The show feels right. It feels it complete now with it does. the drop. Uh, I can start if nobody else wants to go. You with start. You. You okay. Start. Uh, so we mentioned this off the top, but we didn't really get into the story. But in this awesome sports weekend that we had, 
you know, uh, Jays win, Canada basketball win, Whitecaps win, or Whitecaps draw, BC Lions win. We also mentioned there was a bit of schadenfreude because one of the teams that we root against, the San Francisco 49ers, bad things are happening to them. So I learned that the Nick Boza contract holdout is dragging on, and now there's real fear that it's going to drag on into the regular season, Mm -hmm. which is amazing because I've seen this thing happen before where the star player holds out for the preseason, and then the moment the last preseason game is played and there's nothing left, they're like, all right, I'll come to work now. Give me that contract. Only that has not happened in San Francisco. Now, there's a lot of layers to this. Uh, The first of which is that the playbook specifically for San Fran was kind of etched last season when they went through a similar thing with Debo Samuel. Right. It got pretty ugly. Debo publicly requested a trade. He wiped his social media clear of all San Francisco 49er references. Classic Debo. Classic Debo. But they got a deal done in the end and made him one of the highest paid players at his position. Now, the interesting thing here is that one... Uh, Nick Boza wants to be paid like the best player on the team and the best defensive player in football because he is both of those things. He's incredible. The other thing is that his brother, Joey Boza, asked for the sun and the moon in his contract negotiations with the Chargers, and they gave it to him. Everything that he asked for, he got. So, so there's a sibling rivalry at stake, too. And there's kind of a precedent on, like, how the family conducts its business. Now, here's the thing. There's always, you know, it's like uh, pressure breaks pipes and usually fixes or gets negotiations solved, right? There's going to be a break. That's, that's the saying. It's in this article that I'm reading from Tim Kawakami. Never is, heard that? that in my life. What is it? Pressure breaks pipes and solves contract negotiations or solves negotiations. Really, it's ca- it seemed to cause a flood. But there's a certain breaking point where one side caves or the other side caves, right? Okay. Yeah. So I think the thing here is, where is that point? And I don't know who I don't know who's going to feel the pressure more, because Boza he's in the last year of his rookie deal, right? Yeah. So he doesn't want to go play the season. If he gets hurt, you know, I don't need to spell this. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Forty Niners. Uh, I think you all might be aware of this. Uh, they have Super Bowl aspirations, and they just made a pretty controversial deal, admitting that the Trey Lance thing was a flop. But and- the nice thing for them is they don't have to pay a quarterback. A lot until to pay someone, right? What they have to pay is Nick Boza, right? Right? They got to put the money there. So I'll be very curious to see how this plays out because in this division, I think it's pretty much understood that Arizona is going to be terrible, the Rams are going to be not much better, and it's the Seahawks and the 49ers, the Seahawks being the number two. On most projections in a in, in a division where everyone sees the Niners, so winning. the Niners, I believe, start the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers, with Give or us, without Nick Boza. Give us a moo cow on that. Uh, it is we are about an hour and ten minutes into the show, and we have not mentioned hockey. So I'm going to throw out some hockey news just to keep everyone sane. Sure. Uh, remember uh, Matvey Mitchkov? Sure do. Uh, a lot of people thought the Montreal Canadiens should have drafted him, and he ultimately fell to the Philadelphia Flyers at number seven in the draft. Well, one of the hesitations in drafting a very good young Russian player is that more often than not, or actually all the time it seems, uh, that player is going to play in the KHL. Yep. And you don't have 
any control over his development. Well, Matvey Michikov has been a healthy scratch for SKA for the first two games of the season. And you really do have to wonder how this is going to affect his development for the Philadelphia Flyers. Right? Oh, 100%. Like, this is just the kind of the weirdness of uh, the Russian teams. SKA is always one of the better teams over in the KHL. They've got a lot of talent. And there just seems to be this culture of not playing the young kids over there. Almost out of tradition. Like, yeah, we don't give the young, even if they're the best players, we don't give them the minute. Possibly out of spite. So possibly out of spite. Yeah, yeah. and and, and I, listen, I don't, I don't know. Jealousy of the it's, youths. It's two games, right? He's still a young player. Nobody's writing him off, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he develops and what path he takes to uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and how long it's going to take and what kind of product he's going to be when he gets over to the NHL. You know, there's some people that can probably talk themselves into, well, good. You know, he's been taught that he's being taught the tough lessons and he's playing at uh, the highest level he possibly can right now. Um, So good. Like, you know, be tough on him. Not going to be any easier under Torts. Well, like, do you think Mm -hmm. Torts is still going to be the coach? when Mitchkoff comes over to Philly? Like, what is it, four or five years? It's going to be a long time. So, but, but all I'm saying is, like, the development is worth monitoring. Not every day, but this is not, like, a. if, if I'm a Flyers fan, I'm kind of like, oh, God, is this the way it's going to be for a couple of years? Um, so remember when we, in the summer, and we remember when we first, remember when we talked about the dog days of this summer because it was a slow summer? One of the conversations that we had was if Mitchkoff slipped all the way to 11, would you want the Canucks to take him, right? And I remember, and I I said no rather definitively, and the clip was up on Twitter and then on YouTube, and I made the mistake of looking at the comments, and everyone was killing me, right? Yeah, some, yeah. some guy called me stupid green shirt man because I was wearing a green shirt that day. I haven't That's worn it since. Ha, I threw it in the him. garbage, yeah. Uh, I was hurt, and so was my green shirt. But uh, I <laughs> I didn't do a great job of explaining why in the clip. Because you didn't really know why. You're no, I did know why. Take. No, no, no. It wasn't a hot take. I, I said, I don't like the Russian factor. What I should have said, because I was like, I don't like the three-year thing. Because it's a three-year commitment that he's got with SKA. That they basically which, was said, a, which, which, to be fair, can I just say, <clears throat> was a dumb comment. Because do you think Tom Willender is going to be ready in three years? Right. What I, what I should have said, and thank you for reiterating that it was a dumb comment. What I should have said was... I don't like a three-year window where you have no control over the player development because right. I think that's the biggest concern. With Tom Willander, he's in North America at least. He's going to be a BU. Yeah. And there's an exit strategy potentially where you can get him into the organization in a three-year window. I, and there's going to be friendly relationships between the Canucks and BU. Correct. With this, you're at the mercy of someone else's plan. Plan. And I do wonder, having seen it in a smaller sample size with, um, and the name's escaping me now, other Canuck, young Russian, Podkolzin. Thank you. Uh, that wasn't great the yeah. year that well, he was over there. Someone texted in, I think Podkolzin was scratched his first two games as well. So, yeah, it's just the way the Russians do it. They don't let the young guys just get a spot like we did for Jake for 10 and then a few other players, the Canucks ruins. Well, Podkolzin has exactly thrived. Yeah, has he, that's right. right. Like, <laughs> he's terrified to make a mistake. I'm not saying the Podkolzin example is something you should be using as like, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think Podkolzin's game developed at all in that year that he played there because he was... 
he 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 plays like he was terrified of getting yanked out of the lineup. Yeah, he's played like that his entire career yeah. because he's been playing above his head. Maybe there's some residual scarring there. I should mention as well. Uh, there's this isn't the only story happening with the start of the KHL season, even with Mishkov's team, even involving the Flyers. Okay, their goaltender Ivan Fedotov is supposed to be on the Flyers. He has a contract with the Flyers. Right. He was given military service last year. Out of the blue. Couldn't play for the Flyers. This year, he is on SKA, and he took the ice for their first game. The first time that a league has essentially spat in the face of a transfer agreement in a long time. There's an active player with an NHL contract playing in a rival league, right. which we haven't seen for a very long time. It happened over the course so of the I weekend. thought it was, yeah, I, I kind of knew the background of the story, and that's why I thought when Philly took Mitchkoff, it was interesting. Because I'm like, Philly's already got... Well, they're already in the thick of it, right? Yeah, they're but, like, we, we're battling these guys already. So and it's not let's going it. well. Like The battle is not great. I'm surprised that they would want to dive back in on it. So that's all I wanted to say. And uh, shout out to my green shirt, wherever it may be. Uh, anyway, Mukal, that one. Mukal, Mishkov. Uh, you've your got poor, one, Laddie. Poor green shirt. Like, why? Did you like the shirt? It just cut to my core. What are you going to wear on St. Patty's stupid Day Stupid green shirt, man. I'll buy another one. And you're like, that was a stupid green shirt. <laughs> I yelled at I'm it. a stupid green shirt. He was shirt. thinking it the whole time, and then the, the listener left the comment, and he, yeah. he just knew. He had Someone to. was like, why are you yelling at the shirt? Anyway, uh, what's your what we learned, Laddie? My what we learned is a bit of audio, but a minute long of this interview. It went viral, so a lot of you probably heard it already, but there was a fan in the Astros-Yankees game that reached over. We've all seen it. Yeah. Live ball but he blocked the Yankees player from catching it. And normally that's an ejection. Everyone knows you touch a live baseball in play, you're gone. The usher comes down and kicks you out for some reason. And I'm glad he got to stick yeah. around because of this interview. He, they, they just checked to see if he was okay and let him stick around. And Buster only found him on the ESPN broadcast and had one of the, the best fan interviews you're going to hear. I didn't know it from y'all gotta understand when it's dropping down it looked like it's coming directly to you so I reached and my body went for what I know but we did have a wonderful moment okay so you reach out and what was the reaction that you heard right after the play was over the reaction was shock disgust happiness sweat <laughs> a little bit of lust baby you feel me I was in there feeling kind of kind of hurt but my fingers still shaking a little bit the ball way heavier with the gravity I'm not gonna lie to you so tell me, it looked like that you went away for a bit and then you came back. How'd you talk your way back? So truthfully, Houston loves me and I love Houston and they <laughs> yeah. cannot stop me from supporting the Astros. So what happened was I almost had to give a bop, 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 bop real quick on them, but they wasn't listening. So I chose to love and they let me come back. They really were just trying to make sure that I wasn't hurt and that making sure that we didn't go off the rails. So salute to the whole organization. Should we also mention that he did that entire interview with his arm around uh, Buster Olney? So Buster Olney's in ESPN. He's got the microphone in the guy's yeah. face. And the guy just throws his arm around Buster. He's like, what's up? Let's talk. Can we call them the Houston Asteroids? Yeah, that's, 100%. that's probably my favorite. Though. I almost feel like he did that on purpose. I can't tell. That guy was so in control of everything, but also wildly out of control at the same time. But and, and I think what happened was they were going to toss him from the game, but he just became so endearing when they talked to him. They're like, you know what? You're a scamp. Just stay. Just stay and watch the game. Also underrated part of the interview. I think this one right here. We're going to be on TV, baby! <laughs> and then... Uh, the kid doesn't know what to say. He's like, wow. Oh, this guy is crazy. That's my dad. All right, give us a mooka on that. That was very funny. Ah.
Uh, now, wait, wait, wait. We got A Dog. Oh, A Dog's got one too? No, okay. A Dog has a what we learned. So, all these people tell you, okay, we're, we will read the listener what we learned at 8 15. That sounds perfect. Okay. Okay. So, Andy, now we got to preface this by saying, I learned, so it isn't what we learned, but I learned that Andy thinks he has a hot take. Yeah. And Laddie got fired up during the break. There was a bit of a brouhaha back here. Thank a you. A dust up. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a melee back here during the break. Um, I th- personally, in my opinion, I think American Thanksgiving far superior to Canadian Thanksgiving in terms of where the dates are located. I like it because it's a lot closer to Christmas. Obviously, you got the football factor as well. Mm-hmm. It's a lot better with the weather. You don't have to lead up to Halloween. It, in, in my opinion, American Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because you, 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 you need the whole month. You need the whole month to prep, right? Oh so, American Thanksgiving, as far as where the date is placed, yeah. far superior to Canadian Thanksgiving. Do I even need a counter argument after you drop the Halloween tip? Greg, hold on. You're going to get your time here. But I got to first off, I don't think Jason or I thought that this was a hot take because a lot of people disagree with me. Okay. I did I was not one of those people. I would if I was if you were to ask me Especially what's the Laddie. better Thanksgiving, I'd be like American Thanksgiving. What would you say? Yeah, probably American Thanksgiving. The the traditions that they have from a sports perspective, I mean, is there a tradition for the Canadian Thanksgiving? I don't think so. No. Yeah, yeah. CFL does But something? like what I, I want to know what I want to know is how much of it is Canadian Thanksgiving <laughs> takes away from Halloween. That's a huge factor. <laughs> Huge factor. You this is what set me now. off the most. Greg, <laughs> go. Greg doesn't even think Halloween's a real holiday. Yeah. It's not a holiday. It's not a holiday. <laughs> sure it the is. The banks are open. They all dress up like pumpkins. <laughs> not like, a holiday. Welcome to West Bank. I think it's ridiculous that Americans will send their children home from school, fly across the country for Thanksgiving, fly all the way back to school on the whatever coast they're on, and then fly back in like three weeks for yeah, Christmas. You know what? Sometimes they don't fly back for Christmas. Thanksgiving is bigger. Thanksgiving's, yeah, it's Thanksgiving weird. Thanksgiving is, I don't, yeah, I don't Macy's know. Macy's Thanksgiving Day I mean, They should parade. push it back by, I don't know, maybe a month brouhaha. or so. It's a big thing. Um, big so production. That, yeah. I'm not arguing that the, the traditions are huge in the States. Yeah, they've, they've built up their Thanksgiving. I just think it's at the wrong time of the year. It's interesting. Maybe if you had a little more gratitude in your life, yeah. <laughs> like Thanksgiving, like yeah. our friends. I'm thankful for the do. date that Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving on. That's what I'm thinking. But the thing that you bring up is really because I got a, a few buddies that went to um, college in the U.S. and they said like the first trip. That's usually the first trip back after you leave for the scholastic year, right? And you go back to your hometown and you go back to your like hometown bar and you see all your friends that didn't move away for college. Yeah, and you see your family and you cram in a couple of visits. Like it's a it's a mark on the calendar that everybody knows about. And I think that's the big thing about it. There's a lot of more traditions involved. Like you said, like what's a Canadian mm-hmm. Thanksgiving tradition? I also don't know. We you don't know? really, we don't, we really, don't have any. We don't have any. I mean, yeah. aside from Andy, it, calling, it, it, the tradition of interrupting a, the lead up to Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> it's a poor man's Thanksgiving. It's, we just harvested. Let's gorge it's, on. It's not, it's not even an official holiday here, is it? Do, yeah. Do we, get, well, one of them. There's Thanksgiving. Yeah. You, there, it is. You get Thanksgiving off, right? Yeah. Do we? I we well, I mean, I it know. is a holiday. Like if you work, it was like a half day. If you work like it, you that. get paid holiday pay for it. Oh, I, I know that much. Okay, yeah, it's a holiday. <laughs> and he's cashing in those Thanksgiving checks. Some people text me, and American Thanksgiving is too close to Christmas. There it is. I kind of understand that. It's not though. That's the laddie defense, and I have time for that because they're basically a month apart. Well, think of the travel nightmares for everyone. Both 
events. Think of the travel. And, yeah, people get stuck at airports for like two, three days. It's <laughs> that's sucks. part of the tradition. Yeah, I think exactly. I think a lot of American families get together for Thanksgiving, and then the mental scarring from that means that they go somewhere warm for Christmas. They're like the the family is disbanded. Yeah, for Christmas. Remember, but, remember when we got together at Thanksgiving? It's like, do I? <laughs> that was an that again. nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lots more to come on the Halford and Bruff show the Tuesday after Labor Day weekend. Um, Mike Tannier is going to join us next. Talk a little NFL. We can talk about the Nick Bosa situation in San Francisco. And you want to talk to Mike, not about NFL, but Deion Sanders yeah. at the University of Colorado. There are some some upsets, actually, in college football over the weekend. Um, Duke? Colorado beat TCU. And then last night, yeah. You remember just a few weeks ago we were talking about Clemson with Gary Peters of the BC Lions and how he loved the program and he, how he loved Dabo Sweeney. Um, uh, the Duke Blue Devils beat Dabo's Clemson. Yeah. That was the biggest win maybe ever <laughs> for Duke football, which is not on the same uh, level as Duke basketball. Uh, so we'll talk to Mike Tanier coming up next uh, about, well, let's just say, American football. After we talked about American Thanksgiving on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The People's Show, your home for Vancouver summer sports talk. Subscribe to the podcast now. On a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays, not peas, pays. I said peas in the read earlier. That was wrong. <laughs> pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 11. In Vancouver. Uh, Mike Tannier is going to join us in just a second here, our Monday morning quarterback on a Tuesday on the Halford and Bruff Show. I do want to pass along news that just came down. Uh, Alec Manoa, he of the Toronto Blue Jays, but currently the AAA Buffalo Bisons, has been placed on the temporarily inactive list, the TIL. I don't think they call it that, but I don't know. Today I learned. That's, that's what Laddie was all weekend. The TI, you were on the TIL? The I wanted to be on the permanent inactive <laughs> list. I had to come back to work today. I don't know what this means. Like, I know what temporarily inactive means, but I don't know big picture, like, what's happened, what's caused this. You said he was taking photos yesterday with well, some, he was he was with the team. Faithful. He was clearly part of the, the Bisons yesterday and over the weekend. So something, I don't know if this was according to their plan. Maybe they, they wanted him to take a bit of time here. Or if this is unexpected, well, we don't really know. We'll keep monitoring the situation then. Uh, time now for our Monday morning quarterback. Brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Mike Tannier joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Michael. How are you? How could I not be wonderful? It's 57 hours until kickoff. I was going to say, we are inching, and I stress inching because it feels like this is taking forever, but getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL campaign. And uh, I guess I kind of want to start with the Nick Boza situation in San Fran because we've talked about it a lot for those that are maybe just tuning in or not aware of it. Uh, Nick Boza, the best player on the 49ers, I think that's fair to say, the reigning defensive player of the year. 
is in the final year of his rookie contract, and he wants a new one. He wants to be paid mucho dinero. I believe it's between twenty-eight and thirty-one million. I think he wants that Aaron Donald money, the thirty-one million. Uh, when is this contract stalemate and holdout going to end, Mike? Well, yeah, I've been refreshing my browser, thinking it's going to end relatively soon. Uh, the, uh, there's two of them that we're watching here: the Chris Jones and the Nick Bosa. The, the Nick Bosa one looks like they can cross the finish line sometime in the next couple of days. You know, the, the conversations sound like they're not that far apart. They understand each other's position. So I keep waiting for the news to break and so we can all get a, you know, go on with our lives in terms of that one. The Chris Jones one is interesting. Obviously, the deadline's a little different because they've got a Thursday night game. But that's the one where it seems like all of the rhetoric around it is very negative and the two sides are far apart. So Bosa, I don't think it's going to have an impact on the season because I think it'll get done, let's say, in the next uh, one week or so. But the Chris Jones one is the one where it could have an impact on the season, starting with the fact that I can't see a scenario where he's ready to go out there on Thursday night against the Lions. Okay, so let's say that, and like everyone assumes, the Boza deal gets done and San Fran's locked, loaded, and ready to go. How much pressure then shifts onto Brock Purdy? Well, you know, on the one hand, this is a team that can win 10, 11, 12 games with very ordinary quarterbacking. That's how they're designed. That's kind of what they've been doing for years with Jimmy Garoppolo winning 10, 12, 11, you know, whatever number of games with ordinary quarterbacking. So there's two elements here. What if Brock Purdy turns out to be subordinary, especially now that they've gotten rid of Trey Lance? That's going to put pressure not just on him, but it's going to put pressure on Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch that they made all of these moves with the assumption that this guy was one thing and he turns out to be another. The other side of that is, well, what if they do win 11 games and it's very obvious that Brock Purdy was not really value-added, that he was just sort of the guy who was affordable and happened to have taken over. That brings another set of, uh, of questions. And, again, that's partially on him, partially on the 49ers. So that's where I'll leave it. There's pressure on Purdy, but there's pressure on that organization as well. Right, and I brought up Purdy because, uh, one, the walkthrough is back. You can read it now on the Messenger, Mike's weekly column. And on the walkthrough, you wrote about your all-make-or-break team, which is an awesome concept. So Purdy was the number two choice at quarterback for the all-make-or-break team. Number one, Tua Tungavailoa. Why did you make him the number one quarterback on your all-make-or-break team? Well, just to compare him to Brock Purdy, you know, Brock Purdy can go out there and, you know, not turn the ball over and the defense comes out and they win those games. And then he gets another year and another year. The expectations for Purdy are at a different level than they are for Tua, who has to go out there and win shootouts. That's kind of where he's at. And, of course, he has Tyreek Hill, as Jalen Waddle, so he's – got the equipment necessary to go out there and, you know, beat Aaron Rodgers, you know, beat the, beat the Bills, beat Josh Allen. That's the expectation there, and everything's riding on it. It's riding on his health and, of course, his big famous contract, you know, the, the contract that Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts got. He did not get that yet, in part because of his injuries in large part, but also because of the questions surrounding how much he brings to the table. So all of these things about the the, the – future of the individual into it, the future of the Miami Dolphins, and you know the playoff chase in the AFC, it circles around Tua Tunga Viola's health and his performance. We're speaking to Mike Tannier here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Mike is our Monday morning quarterback brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Theclaytonpub.com is the website. Uh, Mike, let's take a brief foray into collegiate football i did not watch any of colorado's win over tcu on the weekend yet i was inundated inundated 
with Dion Sanders content. It was everywhere. Every highlight show, <laughs> every social media channel, Dion, Dion, Dion. Is his greatest accomplishment this weekend not winning a football game, but making a Colorado football game matter to an entire country? I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, I was a little skeptical when he went from Jackson State to Colorado, and it's like, well, I thought you had commitment to these HBCUs. I thought you had commitment to these smaller programs. I think he does, and I think he there's a reflected back on on those programs to demonstrate. Well, this is what these young players he brought with him can do. This is what he can do, um, and, and so I'm excited for the future. You know, a couple of things that a lot of people notice is that they play a largely penalty-free version of football there at Colorado. That team was prepared on that level. They were getting guys in and out faster than the opponent, and, and that was one of the reasons that they were starting to boat race the opponent there is that they're getting guys in and out of a, a huddle faster, getting guys onto the field faster. A lot of things that speak to the coaching of Coach Prime, not just him being a figurehead and players gravitating to him. So uh, yeah, I think it's great for Colorado. And, of course, I have to start. We all have to start. Well, is the NFL calling for Coach Prime? Yep. Well, we see Coach Prime on oh, the Cowboys, obviously, because that, that's the most clickable uh, possibility. One thing at a time, let's enjoy what he's doing right now for Colorado and what he's doing for college football. Fair, but I, that's the one thing that popped to my mind because when you watched it, it was it's almost, you know, you've seen a lot in college football, but that was kind of unlike anything I've seen before because never have I seen the coach in that sort of starring role. Like, the team was great. His son was great at quarterback. The two-way threat that they've got at cornerback and wide receiver was amazing, but everyone knew Dion and everyone was watching Dion. It leads me to believe that if he's that big a star on the platform already, that the next level is the end game. Is this thing ultimately going to end up with Dion Sanders being a coach in the NFL and possibly head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, okay. no, I guess I guess what we learned is that this is not a ridiculous storyline. Sure, I think it's something that could happen. He has two years of success at Colorado. Of course, if nothing else, his agent will put his name in and say, "Let's try to get this guy some interviews and get this guy some buzz." And, and like we're all, and, and if we hear anything, any whisper of anything real, we're going to talk about because it. it's Coach Prime and it's the NFL and it's exciting. So you know, one thing at a time. And I do like backing up to the things that he has accomplished. Like how many new players were there on that roster? He turned over that roster of like forty new guys, bringing guys with him from uh, Jackson State, bringing guys up along the way. You'll hear these coaches talk about how it takes this much time to put their culture in, this much time to instill the winning attitude. Nonsense, nonsense. You do it, you do it right, and you can do it relatively quickly. And I think that's one of the things that Coach Prime is bringing to Colorado. And, yeah, who knows, maybe in a year or two or three, brings the NFL as well. Isn't his main advantage in college his recruitment, though? Like, you can't recruit your way to a good team in the NFL, but you can do it in college football. He's at recruitment. He could bring guys with him, et cetera. That's why I turn back to the team looked well-coached. Yeah, He didn't just go out there and get this star-studded transfer lineup of guys who want to be with Prime and go out there with that. This was a team that looked like it was executing much better than its opponent. And, you know, when you see that, you say, well, there's something to this besides the, uh, the fact that he comes in with a name and, and guys will gravitate to him. That was the thing I, I, I thought at Jackson State. You know, it's like, oh, well, uh, in, in these smaller programs, you're going to play for Coach Prime or somebody you never heard of. You're going to go play for Coach Prime. That's not necessarily an advantage yet at Colorado. You, you, when you're competing with Kirby Spart and Nick Saban, you can't necessarily point to that. So some of the things that Sanders was doing there was pointing to his own abilities as a coach. Speaking of coaching at the NFL level, who enters this season on the hottest seat? Some of the candidates include Ron Rivera in Washington, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. Oh, Mike McCarthy in Dallas. 
I'm just going to throw that out there as well. <laughs> just saying. Just putting it out there. Uh, who, who's on the hottest seat going into the season? I'm going to go Brandon Staley and Los Good Angeles choice. with Good the choice. Chargers yeah. because, yeah, you saw some of the just straight-up coaching mistakes he made. And I'll go back to, you know, there were a lot of fourth-down conversions and all. Week 18, he had his starters out there. Meaningless game. They were slotted for the playoffs. They knew where they were seated. They're playing guys. They're playing guys. Mike Williams gets hurt. That's just a dumb move by a head coach. It's not inexcusable. I don't really have a philosophy that I'm tied to move. And then you put that on charge of, oh, the defense is disappointing. And Justin Herbert's supporting cast is everywhere you want it to be. They'll make a change fast there, especially because Herbert's making that big money now. They can't say, well, this is a growing period. Oh, we're satisfied with the wild card, et cetera. They've got to show more growth than that. He's already, you know, there's already been a coordinator change. That coordinator change usually becomes – comes before the coaching change. Staley's already had to make that move with the offensive coordinator. I think he's on the hottest seat. Do you believe that chargering is a factor in that team's, like, is that a predicament that they have to come, that that they have to overcome? Chargering, of course, if you don't know it, is basically choking, (laughs) right? Collapsing. This team, when it was back in San Diego, had this history of choking, and it's carried on that tradition. Is that just a coincidence, or is that something that enters the players' minds, and they're like, oh, my God, this is the chargering part. This is what we do. (laughs) I can't imagine that guys who are, like, 13 – when North Turner was the coach and, like, they're, they're shanking punts and getting field goals blocked. These players now were, like, 10 when that happened. They, they, don't, rem- they don't remember anything like that. And for a couple of years, Chargering was actually the first pick in their first-round pick getting injured on the first day of training camp. Right. That was what Chargering was. You know, Thurwin James had a great rookie year. Second year comes back, he's hurt. Bosa, hey, we just got this guy, he's hurt. Uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor, they, they get a malpractice suit. They have stuff like that. So there's a lot of coincidences that contributed to this. One of the problems Charger, that was Chargering for many years is the way they spent their money. They would be too top-heavy with their big stars back in the day when it was LaDainian Tomlinson and Phillip Rivers and Sean Merriman, and they didn't have enough rank-and-file guys, so they were always letting the second tier of stars go, and that's how you become a team that loses in the playoffs because you don't have that talent you need to beat, to beat the top teams. There could still be a little bit of that right now. Look at this team's construction. Okay, Herbert got his big contract. He should be fine. There's a lot of money in Khalil Mack. Didn't play well last year. A lot of money in J.C. Jackson was hurt last year. Didn't play particularly well. A lot of money in in Keenan Allen, an older ball player. That might be why they quote unquote Chargers or choke. It's because that they don't have all the things lined up they need to compete with teams like uh, you know the Chiefs and the Bengals and the, and the Bills. Do you think they're full time in L.A. now? Like, do you think the future the the Chargers is going to be in L.A. Never go back to San Diego again? I, uh, they're never going back to San Diego. It's a shame. I love San Diego. I love the community. I think that they're where they are. The rumblings out of the league is always talk about you know London and places like that. Right. If it's not someplace like London, they're looking at like some of the really rising markets, you know, the growing markets. Birmingham tends to be a growing market, et cetera. I don't think anybody's looking at San Diego, beautiful city, smaller city, and saying this is a market we want to go back to. We're speaking to Mike Tanier, our NFL insider from The Messenger here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Mike, the other team in Los Angeles, the Rams, we've kind of been paying attention to this story over the last little bit. Uh, I had, for my job, to listen to Kelly Stafford's podcast to get all of her remarks about her husband, Matthew Stafford. That must have been fun. It was a long podcast. It felt longer than what it was. (laughs) Um, And the stories coming out of Los Angeles right now don't 
leave anyone really optimistic that they're going to have a good season? I guess first, what's the outlook for the Rams? What's your outlook for this Rams team that Matthew Stafford, the grizzled vet, is failing to connect with on a human level? What is he, 36? 35 or 36, yeah. I was teaching public high school when I was 36, 37 years old. And you can connect with 15, 16-year-olds. You can connect with them just fine. You watch some cartoons, you listen to some, you know, modern music, and you're like, oh, now I get it. It's fine. Talk, talk to me when you're Tom Brady's age, Matthew Stafford. That's one of those things. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the Rams in a nutshell. Cooper Cup is hurt. The only reason anyone's really paying attention to the Rams is because Cooper Cup will be good for your fantasy team. But if he's hurt, he's not going to be good for your fantasy team. Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. He's in his own little world there. He's amazing. He'll be in the Hall of Fame a couple of years. And then there's Stafford. There is no one else most people can name. I am not at my desk right now. I can't name half the lineup. I can't name half the defense. They don't have any early draft picks from the last couple of years. They haven't been able to bring everybody in. Some of the guys you can name are, are – uh, are uh, gone. They were left via free agency, et cetera. This is an anonymous team full of fourth and fifth and sixth round picks. Nobody knows. So when we try to talk to them about them, what do we talk about? Stafford's wife going on the podcast and saying he can't relate to the youngins anymore. So, you know, this is just a team that I think is like three years away from being serious again because of what they did with, uh, with the draft to try and win that Super Bowl. They paid an exorbitant price for it. The banner flies forever. This is a team that's going to be hard to pay attention to for the next couple of years, and that's why we're going to have to have some of these goofy stories about the two or three players that we can all identify. Uh, if they're going to be bad, how bad are the Arizona Cardinals going to be? <laughs> uh, really terrible. I still, as of now, don't know who their quarterback is. I don't think they um, do. And it's an idiot. I don't think they do. I don't think they care so much. And I, I think a lot of people, we saw the uh, um, the the – video of coach Gannon trying to give his um, motivational speech. And, and he sounded like he was falling asleep while he was giving the speech. And, you know, folks here in Philly, we kind of know we had questions about Gannon in terms of like his fire and brimstone leadership going into and after the Super Bowl as well, they're going to be a bad team. And it's interesting. So I am looking at, you know, who's going to be the first overall pick and who's going to get the, you know, the Cal Williams sweepstakes, et cetera. You have to assume that the, Cardinals are the front runner right now because they've actively made themselves worse in the last two weeks. No one else has actively made themselves worse in the last two weeks, except maybe the Rams because Cooper Cup got hurt. If you're the Cardinals and you're contemplating moving on from Kyler Murray because Caleb Williams is staring you in the face on the horizon, do you not just, and maybe they've already made this decision, just say, you know what? Uh, we're done with this year. We're punting on everything. The trades were a real eye opener where they were just giving guys away that were productive members of society for them. And now they're elsewhere. <laughs> and then if Murray becomes healthy and is able to come off the pup list, you just say, no, we're good. We're going to tank this year. You're gone. And we've got a brand new regime starting next year. I think they need to answer the question who Murray can be on the field after this injury and who he is in this current culture. So they want to bring him back into practice, and that would probably be putting him in some games late in the season. Because in the long run, we can, we can play this sort of internet game of tanking and like, oh, obviously you'll be better off with Kyle Williams. Just like a couple of years ago, uh, obviously you'll be better with Kyler Murray. You know, we said the same things along the way. You can't look a quarterback of Kyler Murray like a gift horse in the mouth and say, oh, we can just goof off with this. So if at the, let's say late September, Late November comes around, and they're like a 2-12 and 12 team, and Murray is ready to go. It's an unpopular decision. It makes more sense to get Murray out there if your offensive line is okay and see who he's going to be moving forward, even if you win a couple of games. 
then use your draft picks to help him. That makes a lot more sense than saying, let's tank and let's go out there and see what we get for Kyler Marion. Oh, surprise, nobody's looking for this guy right now because they have questions about what kind of guy he is. And the reason they have those questions is because you, the Cardinals, were so willing to give up on him. What are the big stories in Philly right now with the Eagles? It's funny, I was reading uh, Dave Zagano, one of our local guys, and he talked about the Jalen Hurts redemption tour. And I'm trying to figure out what Jalen Hurts needs redemption for. Yeah. Like, Jalen Hurts is not re- 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 redemption. He went to the Super Bowl, he played well in the Super Bowl, and like the defense let them down in the fourth quarter. But I think you have to come up with these headlines. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like Jalen Hurts wants to take the next step, and you, you say it a different way. The biggest story in Philadelphia right now is the Eagles don't have a punter. They cut their punter, and they are auditioning punters. So that's what happens when you're a team that's, uh, that's already, you know, has most of the Super Bowl nucleus returning. You worry about the punter. Who is the biggest threat in the NFC to the Eagles? It would be the 49ers. Again, we talked about Brock, yeah. Brock Purdy, and, you know, if he's, he's average. You know, if he's like a middle-of-the-road quarterback, they're a threat. And we have the Dallas Cowboys, who, again, they're doing Cowboys things. They're, like, making unnecessarily drama around themselves. You look at the lineup, up and down that lineup, they have a lot of strengths. They have a lot of front-line talent. They have good secondary talent behind them that can cause a lot of problems in the division for the Eagles. Do you believe in the Detroit Lions? Are they going to take a step this year, another step this year? I think they're going to take a step forward this year. Uh, the trick is, like, there's multiple steps here. Like, last year was almost playoffs, and then this year I think it's going to be a playoff team and win that division and, and doing things like that. And then they still have problems on their receiving core, if you look at it. They still have a lot of youth on their front seven that they're sorting through. I think they're good players, but they're young players. And it's going to take them, I think, two years to reach the point where you're saying, oh, yeah, short list for, short list for the Super Bowl. We're putting the Lions on that. Mike, this was awesome as per usual. Thank you very much for doing it. When we do this again next Monday, we'll be able to look back on an entire Sunday of NFL action, and we get to preview the first Monday night of the season, the Bills and the Jets. So very excited for that. Thanks, bud. Can't wait. Take care. Enjoy your week, folks. Uh, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, and our Monday morning quarterback on a Tuesday here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You know what would be interesting for teams like the Lions and the Seahawks is how do they get their next quarterback? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think – is it well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Detroit Lions fans out there, but – do any of them think that, like, Jared Goff is definitely the guy for us? I know he's only 28. Yeah. I know he's had some decent seasons before, but if the bar is winning the Super Bowl, and the same goes for the Seahawks, right? Like, we're going into this season, and like, okay, well, hopefully the Seahawks will be a playoff team again. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do they get the replacement for Geno Smith, which they're going to need soon? We all love Geno. We all love his story. Mm-hmm. He isn't young, and I hesitate to call him elite, the type of quarterback that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl unless you have an unbelievable team around that quarterback. Goff's, like, you're 100% right. Smith's not the long-term guy. Goff's really interesting because he had a really good year last year. It's really hard to look at the numbers and say that he was anything other than stellar for them. Like, Basically, 30 touchdowns against seven interceptions. Like, yep. And then you go back to the L.A. times, and you got to remember, he was he got them 11 and 13 wins. He got them into the playoffs. He just he was always considered not elite. 
Because he, he made so many mistakes. He was considered he good. So, I, I always yeah. loved it when the Seahawks... It was hard for the Seahawks to play the Rams in a, in a lot of ways. The defense was incredible. Mm-hmm. But whenever the Seahawks played the Rams and Goff was the quarterback, I was like, there's a chance because he might make a big mistake. He and was, he usually did. He was good, not great. That's how I would classify him. He was a good quarterback. He was not great. He made mm-hmm. too many mistakes to be great. But when you throw seven interceptions over the course of the year... Yeah, he improved that. You cut down the mistakes. If you cut down the one thing that's plagued you as a quarterback, then it's like, okay, well, is he a different guy now? Can we win with this guy? Is he our long-term guy? I don't know. But just remember, the Seahawks were in this position. They kind of... I want to say they lucked out getting Russell Wilson. It was a nice draft pick. But nobody, even in the organization, expected it to take the turn that it did, that Russell Wilson would become a star in the NFL and do it that quickly. I know the defense played a huge role in them winning a Super Bowl and getting back to another one. Mm -hmm. But Russell Wilson brought something that the quarterbacks that they had in place before him could not bring. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. will it get to the point? Like we've seen good quarterbacks um get their teams to the playoffs, and then you're kind of like, oh right, he's Ryan Tannehill. Sure. And he's back at it this year too. <laughs> no, I, it's I, it's a weird position to be in. It because is. remember a year ago, before before last season happened with the Seahawks, we were all kind of like, Well, this is gonna be a rebuilding year. And remember, we were like, what I hope happens is that the young players take a step, but the Seahawks still lose like 14 games and then get their pick of the quarterback, whoever is going to be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young at the time we were talking about. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about the Seahawks and, for example, Caleb Williams. Well, because they won't be in a position to get him, right? But Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about. The, the whole plan for the Seahawks and how they're going to get the next guy has changed. And I'm okay with that. Like, I, I just want to enjoy the season. I hope the Seahawks make the playoffs. And I don't know, maybe they end up drafting Michael Penix out of U, UW, and they're like, oh, that's a good good fit. Like, because he's, I don't know where he's going to go. Right. He, who knows with quarterbacks? There's a long season to go. And then some organizations fall in love with certain guys and not with others. So, um, all all I'm saying is that it's an interesting situation to be in when you've got this building team and you're like, oh, I like that part. I like that part. This is not a bad team. This is not the Arizona Cardinals, yeah. right? This isn't the Rams where you knew that they would have to go through a rebuild. All of a sudden, the Seahawks are competitive again, but you're kind of like, okay, well, how are they going to get their quarterback? Uh, coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, a pair of guests in the 8 o'clock hour. We will do some humanoid what we learns as well. Ryan Divish is going to join us at 8. He is a Mariners beat writer for the Seattle Times. And then at 8.30, David Foster. Yes, David Foster, 16 times a Grammy winner, is going to join us on the program. He is a huge tennis fan. His foundation is the charity of choice at the upcoming Laver Cup. That's going to be right here in Vancouver later on in September. So David Foster is going to join us at 8.30. It's a big final hour. Don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.